Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. There was a time in my life where I used to watch a lot of MTV and um, it was around that time when, uh, I guess, is it Always? Is that what that song was called? Bon yes, Jovi. Yes. Yeah, we're talking, oh, oh I love look that at song. Poor egg. I went, uh, I went when they played Punchestown with a girl like years ago when I was in school when she started crying when they played that. I was like, oh, I knew that had to end it. <laughs> No, no, no. I got, I got to get back to this a second. You oh, broke, sorry. you broke up with somebody because no, they, because they'd like to, because they cried over a song. No, no, that's not. <laughs> that's not. Tell us that story, Tell please. Tell us that story. No, no, no. no but I just because he kept saying, uh, like they always do when they play Slane as well back mm-hmm. home, where they always go, "Thank you, Dublin," and all that, and it just oh, really annoyed yeah. me yeah. when. Gigs are just that tiny bit outside Dublin, but not in Dublin, and they always go, "Thank you, Dublin." Thank you, Dublin. Well, you know, it's probably the only place they've ever heard of. Well, yeah, you know. Uh, tell me, you were mentioning "Fairy Tale in New York," the greatest Christmas song of all time. Oh yeah, have you have you heard John Bon Jovi's horrific version? No, but I don't want to. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you re- if you really want to. Um, Torture yourself because mm. I like him, but I think he's all right. But oh, you're a Bon Jovi fan, are you? Oh, yeah, I really like him. Yeah, I, I can't tell if he's being serious. What or not. <laughs> the do. stuff you find out after two or two years working with the person, yeah, I do. I mean, Borg, this is gonna have to come up on your next time we have a one on one together. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you use not like Bon Jovi? No, <laughs> wouldn't be my first, wouldn't be my go to music. Oh, no, I don't like. Love well. Ah, he's, like he's rolling back on it already, yeah, Joanna. I know, look. Yeah, I know. Uh, Come on, depend- got <laughs> Depends on how stick, many drinks you've had. You stick know? to your guns. Stick to your guns. Uh, I always mix them. For some reason, I always mix them up with Aerosmith too. Yeah, I always mix them up too. Okay. It's very. It's too eighties. <laughs> oh no, that's that's. I love all that. Yeah. All that cheesy hard rock. Yeah, Your big Steve Tyler. Is it Steve Tyler? Yeah. 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 No, but Aerosmith is much better. I like it. Not everything, but I like it. Okay, well, this is all irrelevant, uh, but we might we, we, we might keep it in on the podcast. <laughs> I thought this was a '80s bands podcast, isn't it? We could do oh, that. It's football. I, no, oh, look, yeah, no, 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 no. Look, I'm, I'm. If you want to do an '80s bands podcast, I'm there for it. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Let's well, definitely do at least an article on if mm. Real Madrid were an '80s rock band. Who would they be? Jesus, that's that's, that's Jesus, a good, that's a good question. <laughs> Who kept winning in the eighties in terms in music terms? Madonna, maybe, Madonna, maybe Michael Jackson, maybe yeah. yeah, maybe Michael Jackson. I think the one that you think is done, but then comes back in the last minute. That's Madonna. <laughs> oh, God. oh, just like Real Madrid. Then we yeah. all thought they were done in the Champions League. Yeah. yeah, I will not hear a bad word said about Madonna in the eighties. She had hits. I'm no, a- she's amazing. I love her. Oh. Uh, and she did a couple of. Uh, didn't she do like some sort of weird nude movie at some stage as well? Or did I just? No, it was a book. Oh, it was a book. Oh, yeah, that's what she it had was. a book with lots of yeah. kind of nude pictures with Isabella Rossellini and. I have a feeling there was a uh, there was a rapper involved with that, maybe Big Daddy Kane or somebody like that. 
No, we'll have to. We'll, I'll have to check. Then you'll definitely lose me <laughs> musically when it comes to rappers. Oh, yeah, the hip hop part know, is I'm on sorry. your own. Yeah, no, again, Porg, this is coming up in our next. Thank <laughs> <laughs> right, God, we've got months to wait. <laughs> okay. Anyway, joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's uh, football one football podcast and the last Euro one football podcast of the year is Joanna Bueno. Hello. And Porg Whelan. Hello. The very same two people who were here on what uh, the, the fans out there are calling the lost episode. <laughs> <laughs> Last week's lost episode. I, I can't begin to tell you, listeners, uh, how good a podcast it actually was. There was Marseille jokes. Joanna was actually giving some insight. It was it, it was really, you know, Borg was getting into his his Torino bag. It was a good one. And then all of a sudden, my computer just exploded. And I think, as I said on Twitter, I've never shouted the word fuck as loud as I did when that happened. And then it was me and Podrick talking to each other. <laughs> Are you there? Are you online? Is, did you lose Ian? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so last last one of the year. Let's okay, we've spent a lot of let's spent a lot of time talking about eighties bands. So we should maybe get stuck into the football. Uh, by now you should know there are two one football podcasts. Uh, Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday's uh, Premier League adventure with Don with uh, Don Burke, Don Burke, <laughs> Dan Burke. Thank God it is the last of the year. Either. I know it's getting to be boring. It's getting to be this year. And uh, Thursday's uh, all things Euro with. With, uh, with myself the email address remains the same if you want to get in touch send it over any questions it's podcast01football.com uh, so there we have it another season's uh, Champions League group stages are over and done with uh, let's start with Group G and the game between uh, PSG and Istanbul Porg uh, you were you were covering it live for the desk uh, so pretty pretty dramatic scenes uh, maybe you could you could talk us all through what happened again uh, yes yeah, so basically I think it was after like 13 minutes of the game the players that were kind of on the side closest to the, the touchline thought they had heard the fourth official, although I think the story might have moved on a little bit. They're not so certain that it was the fourth official that might have been the lines uh, the linesman that used uh, what they heard was to be like a racist um, term and then the play was stopped quite quickly. Um, that I was directed towards the Istanbul assistant coach Pierre Webel and um, apparently now that they're, they're as if it's some kind of a excuse or but the reports I think in the Romanian media said that he didn't use a, a racist insult but when he was asked um, who should be booked or who should be sent off on the bench? He'd used the term uh, the black guy, which Dembaba obviously went over and told him quite quickly is still an unacceptable thing to say. You wouldn't categorise any other player or person on the on the field or in the stadium by that one. So yeah, it all kind of um, spiralled from there. The players rightly walked off the park, which which was quite a big stand to take. So obviously, I don't think we've had that in quite such a high profile game before where the teams have actually walked off the park that night or if they have usually um, they do end up returning and playing the game out so I think it was quite a big message to send from both the teams that they did actually um, walk off that night and refused uh, to come back out until the game was played almost 24 hours later with 
uh, a whole new officiating team. So now I guess we just have to see what the the UEFA investigation has to say about exactly what went on because obviously there is a few slight conflicting reports now as to who might have said what and things like that. Um, Joanna, have you ever seen two teams walk off and not come back before over something like this? I can't no, remember. No, that was the first time I saw that and it was very well done by both teams. And I wonder why this hasn't happened before. Maybe because this time it was uh, an official, it was a referee, it was someone from the, the UEFA and not uh, a, a, a fan or some other player in the pitch. But I think it was a great gesture from you know Paris Saint-Germain to support them and to walk out together and say no if, if they're not coming back we're not coming back also and I wished that teams and players did that more often because maybe then we could see some real action being taken to fight racism because uh, that was I think I think it was a bit of historic yesterday uh, on, on Tuesday uh, well, that's what I was going to say. Uh, my my question from that would be: Do we think there will be any wider, re- you know, wider repercussions from this? Like, do we think it will encourage more teams to walk off, given that they, you know, they've shown what a, a stand they can make? I hope so, because I think that it. it it's to me it's unbelievable when there's a fans uh, in the in the stand like sometimes a whole part of the stadium uh, chanting monkey stuff to a player and then the player starts crying we've seen that happen and then uh, he wants to out and then sometimes he even gets a card by the referee because it does, he's not playing because he's stopping the match to me this is absolutely unbelievable like if everyone could take a stand on that and say no, we're not coming back until you know the the fans shut up, or until there's some real punishment towards that, or until this player is sent off because sometimes it's another player inside the pitch. Then maybe it would be uh, you know we could see some real change in that action in that sense. It was nice to see it all being led by Mbappe too. Who uh, I think is he still only twenty one? He's twenty. He's twenty. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a, a 20-year-old showing leadership on that level. Is, yeah, because you uh, could clearly like, see and hear him pointing and saying to the ref, we don't play like with this guy. If they, like if this guy is still here, then we don't play. Yeah, for a guy like that's 20 years old to, to lead like that, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a positive to take from it all. Let's... Uh, um, elsewhere in the group, um, Man United are into the Europa League. Congratulations uh, to them following uh, that 3-2 defeat at the hands of RB Leipzig. Uh, the scoreline suggests it was a close match. Uh, Joanna, was that the case? No, not at all. I mean, in the first half, it could have been four, maybe five new to Leipzig. There was an offside goal, which was actually a very uh, a great goal, but unfortunately offside. And they hit a, a couple balls in the in the post also. They completely dominated the first half. And you could see United lost on the pitch, like not knowing what to do. Uh, they got better in the second half with a few substitutions. Pogba changed the game. 
uh, and you know we all wonder what he's doing in the bench and what he's been doing in the bench for a long time because it's not just social like Mourinho used to put him in the bench also I mean we all wonder why he went back to Man United who didn't really want him in the first place when he was still uh, under 18 or but he was uh, uh, I have to say that this is my one prediction that was right. United <laughs> being the disappointment, so I'm gonna seize the moment here. Yeah, it was. Uh, they were close to getting a tie at the end because I think also Leipzig chilled down a little bit uh, towards the end of the match. But in the in the end, it was uh, deserved. Leipzig played a much better football throughout the season, also and especially in that match. Uh, we're gonna talk. About- Pogba in a minute but uh, I do want to mention that um, that United defence because uh, when you think over the you know you think of the success United have had over the years it's always been you know it's always been like a sort of swashbuckling element to it or at least that's what they tell you um, but they it was always built as well on a very decent defence I, I would say that's not quite the same this time around not at all. I mean, I think in every single episode of your podcast that I take part, I talk about Maguire. <laughs> I, I still don't have no idea why this guy cost 80 million. And on the top of it, he's the captain of the team. He has been there for less than two years. He's the worst player of the team. Like against uh, Paris Saint-Germain, the, the match before, we had seen him already like completely lost in the last goal that Neymar scored. That he was like... Uh, I think he was marking the net instead of marking the players or even the ball. <laughs> and and yeah, then and it's that goal that's cost them big yeah. time as well. You like you kind of just thought that was a consolation when Neymar scored that one at Old Trafford, and it's actually the goal that's really cost them on the head to head as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think honestly, I mean, I grew up watching Man United being Man United and, and Real Madrid being the teams to be beaten in the in the in the Champions League, and it just I don't know. It just gives me a little bit of a heart pain to see that you know that 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 squad that doesn't represent what you expect from Man United, and especially that defense. Uh, I mean, they need to do some serious. Uh, um, hiring job there because it can't be it can't continue like that I think Porik you think it's a case of the defence just being bad players or is there a, a lack of coaching maybe on Solskjaer's part too yeah I think like Harry Maguire kind of hinted at that after the game and then he cut himself off quite quickly mm. um, so like cause it was a surprise to see them go to like they played the back five um, against Leipzig which they hadn't played, obviously, in the game at Old Trafford. They destroyed them 5-0. They were absolutely brilliant that night, and that was like another one of those nights where you... Th- like, the one in Paris or the one in, um, this season against PSG um, in Paris as well, not the one that effectively got him the job. But he's he's had his, like, has had these big European nights where you think, oh, yeah, like, Ollie knows what he's doing. But then this one for, like... I don't know if he just overthought it or was trying to be too cute against Nagelsmann but he's changed the system gone with that like back five and within 12 minutes they're 2-0 down um, yeah so I, I do th- I do think the defence it would it would definitely be improved um, with a different coach but I also think maybe there is some of the personnel as well that even if a different coach was to come in they probably need 
better than what's there. Like it didn't even take Solskjaer long to throw Tellez under the bus for the game the other night, and whereas Wan Bissaka kind of seemed to get off scot free, and he was the worst player on the park, I thought for United. So, oh, his positioning was all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah, just think... didn't seem to know where he was supposed to be or what he was doing. And he's generally yeah, think... he's generally been good for United, I would say. But yeah, yeah, a no, bit of a shocker. I think he's been quite solid. I mean, you have to uh, study your opponent right before the match, and you study Leipzig. What do you what do you get when you study them? They have really good uh, right and, and and left backs that work more or less as almost wingers up front. Uh, I love the the Angelino Angelino. I think he's amazing, and then. First two minutes into the match, you see him completely free, shoot the ball, it's a goal. So what do you think? You know, you have to keep an eye on this guy, right? And then <laughs> two minutes later, he's completely free. Like there's no one nowhere near him. And then he gets the ball again and there's an assist, there's another goal. Uh, I mean, do they really need to be that um, intelligent to figure it out? I thought I saw it coming before the match. <laughs> yeah. That, that, it seemed pretty obvious to me, but then, but there you go. Um, let's uh, let's go back to Pogba um, and not just his performance, but it, it, it does say something about um, you know in a must-win game, arguably their biggest you know of this season. He's benched. That, that's that's not a good sign. Yeah, I think. I'm not sure. I mean, Pogba to me is a bit of a mystery, like we were we were talking before in in, in the last episode uh, about Zidane not liking Bale and James Rodriguez and Isco, and we never know why, and we're not gonna know. It's gonna be you know one of those unsolved mysteries of the universe. And I think Pogba is the a little bit of the same because he's an amazing player. I mean, he hasn't been his best, I think, uh, but you know he doesn't play, so we don't really know if he can. Still play the football that we saw him play like five years ago, but it's—I uh, mean, you spent a hundred millions on a guy to put him in the bench. Like you didn't want him in the first place when he was in the academy, so he changed teams. So I think it was already a bad move for him to go back to Man United, because it looks to me that it was a move just to, you know, to make the headlines of the record transfer move, and then. Mourinho had a problem with him. Now Solskjaer has a problem with him. And then they put him in in the second half because they need to win the match. And he completely turns the match around. So he has he has it in him. He's, he hasn't lost his football. But why is he not playing? Is he never going to play again? Is he moving again? Uh, we were talking already about uh, going back to Juventus. I think it's just a waste. I mean, he he's not as young as he used to be, and he's not getting any younger. And I miss watching his football. Mm. I, I, did Porig, is there a sense that he's wasted his best years at Man United over these last few seasons? Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, kinda. But I don't know if he'll ever get back to that. Um, like Pogba we saw at UV or. Like even the one one with France, I, I don't know if it's just too much pressure, like from the club and the fans, or even maybe on himself that he doesn't really have at, with France, or that he didn't have at UV. Like he was never the main man, and I know he was a lot younger then, but I just don't just don't think that really like suits uh, the way, particularly the way that he plays. Definitely his personality. I think he's he does enjoy. Um, 
being that kind of the main man. But I just, yeah, I don't think it suits the way he plays in that midfield. It's it's a weird one when you look back. Yeah, if he is to go like Raiola was saying uh, next month or maybe even next summer, how people will eventually look back on on his time at United. Like I don't think it's been really bad, but it's yeah not been a hundred million euro success either he's had like these amazing moments like the derby against Man City when Mourinho was the manager that he completely turned around at the end he had like he's he's had those moments but they've just always kind of been followed by some bad games and just never really got that I can recall like a three four months of just consistent really playing well which yeah you'd have expected a lot more than that when he arrived um, a lot of noise, obviously, mostly coming from Rayola and, and a few other people about him leaving, as we've mentioned too. Do you think he'd fit back into that Juventus team now? Not, not really. That, that's the weird one. I, I don't see, I don't see where exactly um, he goes into that team, and I don't think Juve need them as well. I, I know they kind of they were making. Uh, making some little comments about him kind of hinting after the their game against Barcelona that maybe if something becomes available they'll look at it but I mean they're they've got Aaron Ramsey and like on I think it's 400,000 a week and stuff like that so I, I really can't see that if Pogba becomes available you've all got astronomical wages and there will still have to be a fee paid as well and then even just when you talk about Piero's systems which He's kind of settling on more of a just a two um, in the centre of the park, and like McKenney's been amazing for them the last few weeks as well. Even when he's not started, he's come on and made a difference. So mm. I mean, you, you don't really see where he would merit a, a starting place there. So it kind of leaves Raiola and him in a bit of a weird position because there isn't many teams on the planet that can actually afford to take him as well. And maybe maybe, maybe not even Real Madrid, given their financial struggles at, at the moment. Maybe he's going to stay. Who knows? Across the city, maybe. <laughs> Jeez, wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> maybe not for Man United fans. Joanne, <laughs> uh, you, you wanted to jump in there? Yeah, I, I think Juventus has an overpopulated midfield. I mm. think they have so many options and they just got Arthur, who is, you know, willing to, I think, trying to go back to his prime after leaving Barca more or less from the back door mm. so uh, I'm not sure he's going to have a place in Juventus uh, I was actually going to say you know maybe that's the chance Zidane needs to get him because Zidane has been after him for a while now so because I wouldn't stay in Man United even if Solskjaer leaves I, I wouldn't really stay there if I was him um, Speaking of Juventus it's nice to see that we finally settled a debate over Ronaldo versus Messi right? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, all right. I'm not sure that debate will ever be settled in our <laughs> lifetime, at least. Uh, when Messi was out there the other night at the Camp Nou, he must have looked at all of that team working for Ronaldo and uh, must have felt a little bit jealous, no? <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. <laughs> because, I mean, we know that Barcelona is not the Barcelona we got used to in the last few years and some of their best players are actually injured or on the bench uh, and 
then Messi is trying to get it out there by himself and solve things. And then he sees that, you know, you have that overpopulated midfield in, in Juventus. And then mm. he probably thinks like, yeah, I think it's my time. I think it maybe not going to Juventus, but I think it's my time for <laughs> move on. Uh, Borg, not the Barcelona of old and of course an empty camp new, but still a pretty commanding performance. Uh, Pirlo must be happy with that. Yeah, I think he needed that as well, um, even though it wasn't a game that mattered all that much. Although it has actually, because they beat them by three goals, it's actually seen Juve uh, top uh, the group, right? them, yeah, and yeah. finish top of the group, which didn't look all that likely. I think Ronaldo called it Mission Impossible after the game for them. But, I mean, scoring three in a, a, a dead row, especially when you get the, the gift of the first penalty that they they got set them on their way quite well but yeah I think Pirlo will definitely be really happy because they have been struggling a lot the last few weeks even when they won the derby at the weekend they were poor for a lot of the game and needed two quite late headers to bail them out so it's still Barcelona I think they're the first Italian team that have ever scored three goals at the, the camp now as well so yeah they definitely be happy with that even if it's not maybe going to mean a lot in the, the grand scheme of things um, that uh, Weston McKinney goal was pretty special yeah I like that I like that as well well that's, that's crazy that's how how good a signing he's he's looking so far I mean I was kind of one of the people who was surprised when when it was UV when Schalke were like putting on the, the summer fire sale that it was UV that took him and then you thought okay they'll take him but I can't see like he's gonna he's gonna fit in or uh, play all that much. But I mean, every time I've seen him, I've been really really impressed with him. Um, and I also was quite impressed with um, Aaron Ramsey. I thought he was at the centre of a lot of Juventus's best moves. Yeah, I thought um, thought he was he was really. I thought the whole midfield was really good, but I thought Ramsey Ramsey was really unlucky not to score um, as well. He really looked comfortable, and then. I think there was like an an article the next day in like the English press saying how he's struggling, not playing well, and oh somebody in the Premier League will have to bring him bring him back soon. But I don't think I, I don't think that would be in his thoughts at all. Um, especially if he can knuckle down and kind of get a regular run of form and avoid injury, which has kind of always been the problem with him. But Pirlo seems to really like him and talks him up a lot and like why wouldn't he because like you were saying when he's when like Ramsey's on it he's really really fun guy to watch like passes it so well he just finds that space like mm. kind of between the lines really well as well I think he'd be a really big weapon for UV if yeah they can get him playing and consistent uh, his movement too I think his movement is underrated like like you say how he finds that space I think he's really, a really intelligent uh, midfielder I thought he was I thought Arsenal were a bit crazy to let him go when they did but it's probably, probably a topic for another day uh, Joanna a uh, question for you what were you doing at 16 years and 18 days old 16 years and 18 days old mm-hmm. what were you up to <laughs> I think I was uh, ripping the knees of my jeans pants to look cool. <laughs> <laughs> to go to school with those ripped knees on the on the jeans. Yeah, <laughs> that's what was cool in Brazil at that age. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it was. My school didn't think so much. <laughs> 
Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so you weren't playing in the Champions League. That's what I want to double check here, no? No, I wish that was. Okay. Um, uh, sh- shout out to Mukoko. That's 16 years and 18 days and he's playing in the Champions League. That's insane. Uh, Porik, what were you doing at 16 years and 18 days? I have to ask now, did you have ripped jeans? Um, well, probably Bon Jovi in the middle of it. <laughs> oh. Let's go back to the to the eighties bands podcast. You had Bon Jovi in your CD. That's Wolfman. probably what I was doing uh, when I was sixteen. <laughs> um, but yeah, pretty pretty astounding. Um, elsewhere, oh, no, no, you're not going to tell us what you were doing when you were oh, uh, sixteen. Oh, good one, Oh God, let me think. Uh, wow. I was probably drinking in a field somewhere. Um, ah, yes. I think you were like, what? Piercing your nose to impress a girl or something? Nah. <laughs> 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 oh, you know too much. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. No, 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 no. No, no that, was, that was later in life. That was later okay. in life. Yeah. Uh, and it was an eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah true an eyebrow <laughs> it was the eyebrow let's skip over that bit uh, I'm gonna have to edit that bit out um, elsewhere I got a message from Alejandro uh, this morning uh, who, who's been on who's been on the podcast a few times and who you may or may not know is a, is a big Real Madrid fan well uh, he likes them yeah, he's, he's like them yeah he's fun yeah, okay. he's fun, yeah. Yeah. He said, uh, this is out of nowhere. He just sends me this. A good morning reminder. There are three things that are always sure in life. The sun shines every morning, water is shapeless and Real Madrid always come back. I used to say... Uh, there's, <laughs> he just, he I, just sent I, me I this this morning. Yeah. I would add one more. That Robin will always uh, cut to the left. Oh, yeah, Robin will always cut. You could, you could definitely throw that one in. Uh, Madrid have now progressed from all 29 of the Champions League group stages including those awful second group stages that we had a couple of years ago uh, the most oh, of yeah. any, do you remember those yeah the yeah. most of any side in the competition's history uh, Joanna you watched this I, I, they looked up for, from from the start didn't they yeah yeah they were up for it they they were definitely like oh, we're not going to Europa League that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> I mean Benzema scored a header like what t- 10 minutes 12 minutes in the match then, I mean, he almost scored uh, four headers, actually. One of them hit the post and the other was a good defense. So they were up for it, especially in the first half. I think they kind of removed a little bit the, the foot from the accelerator pedal in the second half. They were... Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach seemed like they knew there was not coming a goal from the other match. So they didn't really look like they were up for it anyway. And Real Madrid kind of let it go a little bit. But yeah, they definitely definitely were the Real Madrid that we want to see and we hadn't seen this season so far. What, what do you think the difference was this time out? Was it attitude, Ramos being back, Gladbach's, uh, let's say, generous defending? Maybe that Zidane got that balance between experience and youth uh, maybe a bit better than, than previous times? I'm hoping it was like that talk before in the, in the dressing room before coming to the match. Like, we're Real Madrid. This is not going to happen. In Brazil, we say a lot that uh, the shirt is heavy. You know, you have some clubs mm. that the shirt is heavy and you know that the opponent is going to fear you just because you are that team, even if you're not playing that well, even if maybe your squad is not the best. 
uh, as it used to be. So I think that Gladbach respected Real Madrid too much. And like I said already, they weren't exactly putting a lot of effort into the match. They were hoping for that one counter that, that maybe they could score a goal. And Real Madrid really dressed the Real Madrid jersey and went into the pitch with the attitudes. Maybe Ramos being back is part of that attitude because we know how good of a captain he is. So maybe that has to do with it. But I think it was the whole team. Uh, Luka Modric, pretty special. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty he, special. He, he put a performance that we hadn't seen for him in a long time. In a minute, yeah. We hadn't seen him play that well for a long time. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And and he's one of of the key players in that team in the in the midfield. I I think for example that Kroos didn't perform that well. So oh really? You know, oh, I enjoyed Kroos last night. Yeah, um, maybe it was just me. Yeah, maybe that was just me. Yeah, I think he could have done better because he was a little below the level of the team. In general, the whole team performed well. Even Vahan, who we have been <laughs> criticizing for a while. I mean, he he was okay. He, he didn't perform the way that he did in the last few matches. Uh, you saw Benzema having the match of the season for him so far. Um, you saw the two young Brazilians being very decisive. Uh, Rodrigo with a Beautiful assist for Benzema. Uh, Vinicius could have, you know, passed the ball a little bit more because he held on to it, or maybe shot on goal because he yeah, held I on to the ball. I thought that as well when uh, there was a few times with Vinicius, and I thought, oh, Benzema's going to kill him. Benzema, yeah. wait till they get because that was glad back away, wasn't it? That they had the whole controversy. Yeah, it was. Out. Yeah, and there was one point where like Benzema played him in, and he tried to like pass it back to Benzema when if he'd shot himself yeah, he should he have probably shot would have scored one. yeah he's probably just scared of scared to annoy Benzema now. Uh, I also thought yeah. that they must they hit the post about 20 times too I've never seen a, his yeah. team hit the post as many times as Madrid did last night yeah exactly. I think they've hit it seven times and Inter hit it seven times in the group stage but then it's like classic Inter where they hit it seven times and Real Madrid finished top of the group no. Inter have hit the post seven times and they've gone out of Europe <laughs> classic uh, Benzema with the two goals um, where do we stand on him because I don't think he's ever going to get in as one of the greatest players ever but he is Real Madrid's fifth highest scorer and he's now level with Brazil legend Roberto Carlos as the foreigner with the most games for the club that's I pre- love him that's pretty special no but but he's but you I think he's a great player too but do you think he's going to get in as one of the best probably not right no I don't think so I mean he's he played what nine nine years alongside Cristiano Ronaldo and even though he's the centre forward Cristiano would have more goals than him so he would ever be more or less on his shadow when it comes to you know the greatest teams and and the greatest players so I think that played a little bit against him but Ronaldo could only get so many of those goals because Benzema almost not yeah. sacrificed himself yeah. but a little bit sacrificed himself no? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, he has a big part in in winning the three Champions Leagues in a row and 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 that amazing team. And Ronaldo being an amazing player as well, because Ronaldo didn't play by himself. You know, he has the he played that good because he has the players around him to f- facilitate that for him. I think he's amazing. I think he is really good, and I think he took the the responsibility of you know after Ronaldo leaving, someone had to stand up, and I think he did more than other players that I I wished had, and but yeah, you're right. He's he doesn't have so much uh, you know uh, marketing. I think he's a bit of a quiet guy. Well, I think 
he has reasons to be a bit of a quiet guy because you know when he was in the news he wasn't so well it wasn't for the good reasons so i think he learned to stay on his corner not open his mouth and you know just play his game and he's still one of the best center forwards when people talk about Lewandowski a lot and Lewandowski is amazing and he did an amazing season last season i don't think Benzema is that far behind him Porik, Benzema fan yeah yeah i love him um i just think you just have to look at what like teammates always say about him and they always just apart from like Joanna said maybe Valbuena Valbuena like, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but like all his uh, all his other teammates just talk about like just in terms of how he is on the park like how selfless he is and like there's a reason I think as well that Ronaldo scored so many goals and obviously Ronaldo being amazing is one of them but I think he benefited not just Ronaldo but everyone else in that team I think uh, yeah history will look quite kindly on him um, Another good thing about Benzema is he reminds me not the the football that he plays, but his physics, like his body and his movement in the pitch, reminds me a lot of Ronaldo, the real Ronaldo. Oh, that's a compliment. So, Yes, so that makes it more pleasing to watch a Real Madrid match because, you know, the other Ronaldo used to wear that shirt too. So even if he's not, he doesn't have the talent and he is not as complete and as the other Ronaldo, but he, you could, the physics, you could see Ronaldo playing there. It looks a lot like him. Wow. Yeah, I think there was one... So last season he had an assist against Espanyol that was just like real Ronaldo all over it. Like it was, he wasn't even facing the goal, and it was like this really delicate back heel while the ball was in the air, and it was just like it was kind of an impossible thing to pull off, and he just made it look so easy. Oh, I don't know how anyone couldn't love him here. Um, well, you might uh, yeah. again talk to Valboy <laughs> about that. Uh, only he's uh, only the fifth player to score 50 goals in the group stages of the Champions League. Uh, can you name the other four? Two are obvious. Yeah. Two are obvious. Yeah, I think uh, we can put Raul there yes. also. Raul, yeah. Okay, so Messi, Ronaldo, Raul. You have you Von got Nistelrooy? Oh, Joanna, yeah. very good. I got it right. Yeah. All right. Bullies, bullies doing it in the group stage. <laughs> um, Zidane deserves a monument, not a sacking. Was a headline in market today. Uh, I'm sure that's his job safer now, right? I'm impressed how bipolar the Spanish media oh, is. No, I, yeah, I, I particularly like that headline because I'm pretty sure I saw something very different in market a few days ago. He yeah, probably but, does deserve a monument, though. Just in general. Oh, I'm um, with you. Yeah. At the club, oh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, maybe not based on the last few months. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but uh, we, we think his job is safe? I, I think it is, but we have a Clásico coming in in the weekend, not the Barcelona one, but it's the Madrid one. So that's also going to be very decisive for, for the season. I think he he also has it easy on the league a little bit because even though, even though Real Madrid's not doing so well, Barcelona's doing worse. So it's still okay. Mm. But if they were doing bad, and if they if Barcelona was already eight points ahead, then maybe he could have breathed a little bit after the the match this week. But uh, he would still be a little bit on the edge. Okay. Um, any other Champions League points you want to make from the last two nights, or shall we 
I thought, or should we? Is that it? Uh, we were talking. <laughs> oh yeah, you want to mention him? Oh, absolutely not. Oh, <laughs> Joanna, we were talking earlier. Patrick mentioned the the Gladbach match where Benzema was complaining about Vinicius, and I'm not sure if you guys noticed yesterday, but it made me a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, when Benzema scored the first goal, the player that was closer to him was actually Vinicius, and then the, he runs <laughs> to 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 hug Benzema and celebrate the goal, and Benzema opens his arms, you know, because the team is running towards him and when Vinicius arrives he doesn't close it he doesn't hug him back he's he just keeps waiting for the other players and Vinicius is you know smiling because I, I felt so uncomfortable I just wanted that moment to end close your arms Benzema yes please just pretend everything's all right you know uh, so the teams going into the draw on Monday are Bayern, Atletico, Madrid, Gladbach, City, Porto, Liverpool, Atalanta, Chelsea, Sevilla, Dortmund, Lazio, Juve, Barca, PSG, Leipzig. Joanna, you are famously brilliant at Champions League predictions. My bet is on Ren. <laughs> as we discussed in last week's lost episode. Oh, if only we still had that episode. Um, so I want to know who your favourites are and who your dark horses are. Okay, so whoever I point out as favorites are going down in the next round. <laughs> so Bayern, of course, I mean, they didn't have much trouble in the group stage, but they, they weren't supposed to. So I, I would bet on Bayern, definitely. I'm also expecting a little bit more from City, just like Bayern. They didn't have a lot to work on on the group stage. I think maybe that uh, weights against City in the last Champions League because they've always in a group in an easy group and then they always have problems in the knockout stage and maybe for them it was better to to be in a tougher group to get prepared throughout the mm. beginning of the season uh, I guess you know you have to to bet on Liverpool but um, I really enjoyed Chelsea I think that they well, you can't just a... name every team here. Come on, you, I want your, <laughs> no, I, I want your, one. I want your favorites and your dark horses, please. Well, but but I have to bet on half of them as favorites, right? <laughs> <laughs> because half of them go through the next stage. Um, okay, I'll I will bet on Chelsea going uh, through the next stage also because I think they are playing very well and they're improving as the season goes. And Leipzig. Okay. That took a while. Uh, <laughs> Porig, your favourites? I Bayern. I think it's just I don't see anyone that's there's a lot of like really good teams in it, but I think they are the one, the only I think real standout. Maybe PSG are the only ones that could on their day give them a game. I would fancy Liverpool too if they had everyone fit, namely Van Dijk or a lot of their other defenders. Uh, so yeah, PSG I think are he- uh, not PSG. Bayern head and shoulders. You can only bet on two. Yeah, and you're, <laughs> you're only betting on one. Wait, 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 which Bayern. one is? Who's your dark horse? Uh, Sevilla, I think Sevilla could, could actually. Okay. Now that they're not in the Europa League, let's let's see what they've got. Mm, okay. All right. Thank you very much, then, people. That was lovely, and we made it through without it exploding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, and don't 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 cheer before you hit the stop in the recording. Yeah, exactly. Button. I'm not getting uh, not getting too excited yet. Only when I see it pop up on on the app, then I'll know it's safe. Benny, 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 can't you see we are very busy? 
Mm-hmm. See what I did there? So should we, we'll get cracking on this part of the podcast, will we? Yes. Okay, so as you know by now in this part of the podcast, we get a fan on to geek out about their club. Last time around it was Matt Froelich on Spurs. This time around it's Benny Kuloff on his dear, dear Schalke. Woohoo! I'm super enthusiastic. My club <laughs> is falling apart. We will discuss this later, but I stay enthusiastic. It's always funny to watch things fall apart when you, when you, when you're you've no investment in it. <laughs> well, the fun ends when you lose twenty five. Ga- oh, don't win twenty five games in a row. But uh, I think we're discussing these the latest things on Schalke later. Yeah, let, let's save the best for last. Uh, okay, so yes. the first question: Why Schalke? What got you behind them? <clears throat> Well, there were several moments in my life where I asked myself this question. Uh, why why did I choose the club that loses in every crucial moment, uh, falls apart every two years? Um, I thought about it, how I ended up here. And it was uh, in my home village, a very small village. There were basically three fan groups. It was Bayern, Dortmund and Schalke 04. Okay. It's an area where people like hang out flags in their gardens, you know. And there you see red flags, yellow flags and this blue flags. Uh-huh. Uh, the Schalke people were always like the minority, the outsiders, oh. um, because Schalke in the, in the 90s had these dirty working, like this loser mentality. They still have it today, <laughs> but uh, it was even worse in the past. And um, yeah, it was the team that people laughed about. They had crazy presidents, a lot of scandals, <clears throat> super ugly jerseys. They had a dirty defensive play style. And me in my early years of um, like, let's say, trying to be a punk, uh, this loser mentality attracted me more, quite more than the shiny title winners from Munich or the flashy style that Dortmund implemented on their side so I made my choice I drove with some older fans to the Parkstadion uh, the old stadium of Schalke 04 and I fell in love with this unglamorous shithole of a stadium and then now I'm here Hey there's a lot to be said for unglamorous stadiums I, you know Derry Stadium is quite like that and I, I still love it I, I, I will always go for a dirty shithole of a stadium rather than in this high glance arenas where you get like beer to the um, surf to the seats. Okay. So how often, like as a youngster, how often are you going to see the games? Um, well, well, not often. I mean, I, I tried back in the days, live football and TV wasn't like a real topic. Um, so you had to go. I listened a lot to radio and maybe I was like let's say 10 times in the park stadium that's it because it always was like i mean i don't have any money for a ticket that's the first thing Mm. um and then the second thing is that i had to organize that i had to organize how to get there to the stadium it was two hours ago from my hometown so um yeah uh i watched it i didn't watch watched it rarely but i listened to a lot of games on the radio okay uh so for those who don't know much about Schalke, maybe you could give us a, a quick history lesson on them ah the history is very long you know Schalke is first of all Schalke is not a city it's a district of the city of gelsenkirchen which is by far the worst city in germany <laughs> uh, the ugliest and the, with the highest um uh, uh, amount of workless people, uh, people that don't have a job. Um, Gelsenkirchen beat in Germany, which uh, is a workers and miners area in the past. Um, the club was founded by miners and uh, still today uh, believes it has a strong working mentality and a background. Um, they were pretty successful. They won seven championships in Germany, five cups, uh, and a UEFA Cup in 1997. Um, Schalke is the seventh team in the eternal 
table of the Bundesliga, which is a surprise. Um, and in 1937, they were the first club in Germany to win the double. So they won title and uh, cup. But, and this is one of the downsides, Schalke is often called the Nazi regime club because they had their most successful sportive period in this area uh, of 1934 to 1942. Um, people also say Hitler was a Schalke fan. Um, this is always that something that comes up when uh, all arguments are gone. Then the people say, well, your, all your roots and all your success was based on liaising with the Nazis. But there is no evidence for that. Mm. They basically, half of the team was Jewish. Um, the biggest stars were uh, with Jewish background. And there is no evidence for B Schalke being uh, ever um, connected to the Nazi regime. The only thing was that they were the most successful at this time. So um, I've heard them connected to the about three different clubs anyway. It's it, it's always yeah yeah it's always the same it's it's yeah. a boring thing yeah and then the history I would say is an upside down it's a roller coaster it comes from sportive uh, elegance to a scandal then a sportive elegance then a scandal and it always goes up and down and this normally went like ten years of success and ten years of uh, scandals and this uh, let's say this roller coaster in these days go way faster so now we have two years of nice sportive success and then two years of scandals and this comes always first we had a glamorous history of presidents who elected themselves who brought lions to stadiums to impress their opponents wait what um, they brought a yeah. lion to a stadium yeah, real-life Lions to, as a pregame show to get some money. Uh, we have we had presidents who collected one D-mark or one euro, as you would say today, from each from each uh, fan in front of the stadium to pay a transfer of a Brazilian player. Um, so Schalke is very... There's full of stories. It's a fun club, but it's always losing. And this is part of the identity and the DNA you have as a Schalke fan. Uh, aside from having the Lions on the pitch before the match, which... Mm poses all sorts of health and safety questions what ranks as the top three moments in the club's history it's hard to find three you know because as i said it's a losing mentality in most important periods or when there is the chance to win something you can bet all your money that Schalke will lose uh, even if you need a draw Schalke will lose uh, or fall apart and so the top two Top three moments, uh, I didn't find three, okay. to be honest. Top two, two moments in my fandom, in my time of uh, being a fan there, because I wasn't born in the Nazi times, uh, is, of course, the 1997 UEFA Cup win. The, it's a miracle how this team could uh, win against Inter Milan with uh, Ivan Zamorano and all the, all the pros and world-class players in the team in the final. Uh, in two, two games, uh, they won by penalties, uh, uh, Matt Jens Lehmann in the goal back in the days um, it was one of the most surprising title wins in I would say German football history because no one expected it and the last I would say the last glorious moment in Schalke history was the signing of Raul oh, which yeah. came out of nowhere and is still a miracle for most of the fans why and how in the world we had a player like this in our nice jersey 
And it was, I would say, the last period of football success. It was the period where they went to Champions League semifinals against Manchester United. Also, as a surprise, there was this great, great game against Inter Milan. All this series was backed by Raul and the greatness of this player. And I think this was the last shiny light that uh, shone on, uh, on Schalke 04. How did he join the club? Because that is an odd one to go from Real Madrid. I mean, no disrespect to Schalke, you're you're beloved there, but it is an odd move to go from Real Madrid to Schalke. Well, well, it first shows the great character of Raúl. So he knows what a good club is, and he knows where he can build a legacy. I think um, there was a huge connection to Christoph Metzelda, who always also played for um, Real Madrid mm. and had a good relationship to Raúl. And I think they basically kicked out Raúl of Real Madrid, when, as I remember. So he was too old not shiny enough not a superstar uh, they want to make uh, replace him and made uh, space for Ronaldo to be the, the number one and there was this moment where he searched a new club and we had money back in the days uh, we had a coach Felix Magat who is basically a little maniac but like he is brave enough to say okay let's get Raul I think no one else in, uh, in Germany would have done that and there was the connection to Metzelda, uh, who convinced him that Schalke is an option to look at. And I think then he visited once the stadium and he saw the fans. And I think he has never seen something like this. Hope, lucky enough, he didn't went to Dortmund. And um, then he saw it. And I think he was convinced that this is something he wants to be part of. And he was crying when he left. Uh, I will still remember his tears on the pitch on his final round in the Schalke stadium. I went to his last game uh, against Werder Bremen. Did, in you Bremen. did you cry too? Yeah, he didn't play a minute. He went off the pitch. Like in the 80th minute, he stood off the bank and went to the dressing room. And the whole stadium stood up and applauded because they know we will never see a player like Raul again. <laughs> uh, that was very impressive. And it was in Bremen. It was not even at Schalke. But the whole stadium was like applauding to him. And he was just waving and leaving the Bundesliga forever. <laughs> I would have thought as a, as a top three moment for the club, you also would have mentioned the the World Cup final, given that so many of the players were came from the cradle of Schalke. Yeah, um, well, first of all, I'm not a huge fan of this whole national team idea and World Cups and whatever, so I'm not I'm not that enthusiastic about this whole thing. But yeah, there could have, there was this moment where Benedict Hövedes, a Schalke original, uh, could have scored the the decisive goal in the World Cup final. He hit the. Uh, the post which is again kind of a Schalke story <laughs> like <laughs> he is hitting the post while the Dortmund guy is scoring the major goal but I think it was not uh, bad for him that he didn't score it but yeah half of the team basically but that's a bit too much but uh, a lot of people from the team were Schalke origins or built in the Schalke academy yeah Mesut Özil for one Manuel Neuer for another Mar yeah Hövedes Hövedes um, yeah uh, also um, Gündogan I think he didn't play in 2014 Gündogan has also Schalke roots or Gelsenkirchen roots he's also coming from there there's a tons of players I will tell you later okay um, so we, we do we are a bit pushed for time so we're going to we're, we're going to crack on to the modern day and mm -hmm. where the club stands now and it's really it's crisis time isn't it yeah, it's ground zero. Like the 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 planes crashed into the whole building. Uh, corona is also there. It's ground zero. We are standing at the I think this the deepest crisis the club has uh, in its history. I would say it's not a it's a sportive crisis. It's a mentality crisis. It's a fan crisis. Uh, it's a crisis within the team, like a character crisis. Uh, it's a crisis of people or people who can give hope 
Um, so at all these crises as a single thing all has destructive elements and if you add them all up uh, the club is basically it's fucked they're fucked so no one believes that this team or this club can avoid relegation to the second Bundesliga um, and given the financial background so we are basically bankrupt um, Schalke got money from the federal state of Nordrhein-Westfalen to survive in the corona pandemic uh, to pay their debts and to pay their players and to pay their well normal, normal workers who work there um, we had a horrible we had some horrible moves where the, the club kicked out bus drivers who worked there for 40 years on 400 euro basis um, and kicked them out to save money um, and can't convince some players to cut their wages for half a year uh, so all this is against everything everything the mentality Schalke stand for and uh, now it comes all together also the only the only fountain of hope, the youth academy. We just discussed it, uh, where all the great players from Neuer to Özil, Hövedes, Kolasinac, where all they came from. Uh, it's basically dried out. Um, so there's not even hope that players like Tilo Kera or whatever come through to the to the um, pro team anymore. Um, and that was that was the inventory that Schalke sold back in the days to save their financial crisis um, some they sold some don't um, and even if this is not there structural the club is fine we have a great training ground we have a fantastic youth academy um, but the hope is dried out in this whole club and the whole thing around it and it's very sad um, because no one who is actually making decisions or even the the hardest diehard fans they don't believe that the turnaround can be done this season and everybody's scared what's happening when they go to the second bundesliga because then you lose even more money tv money um, you lose players which is not the problem they are shit anyway um, but you have to renew yourself and uh, not everybody is believing that in the current setup the club is ready to renew itself also the narrative of new renewing yourself in uh, in uh, in in the second Bundesliga to re be refreshed in the first Bundesliga is something I don't believe in so it's really 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 dark times for Schalke 04 um, which is not only sad for me as a fan but I think also sad for the Bundesliga itself because Schalke will lose one of the story makers one of the crazy clubs, one of the most emotional clubs, and it will be replaced by another club that looks like a plastic cup. So I think um, it's a problem for the German football too. Uh, how many games is it now without without a win? Twenty-five. So we have, I think, two games away from an historic negative record that is held by Tasmania Berlin, a club who played once in the Bundesliga and lost 27 games in a row. Um, and Not even lost, they didn't win 27 games mm. in a row. But not a single game that I saw within the last six months gave me hope that we won't reach this negative record. So I think... The, the the team is basically dead what they need is a break unfortunately there is no real break <laughs> not not this season no not not this and not next season so um yeah it's hard to believe and uh, even uh, it's hard to believe that they find a way to get the turnaround and maybe stay in the league i don't know how they should do that um uh 
So there's, I mean, there's no, there's no hope, there's no plan, there's no aim for the rest of the season. Is the, yeah. you, you just can't see them getting escaping relegation? Could you even no. see them making the playoff for relegation and escaping it that way? Yeah, but yeah, they will make the playoff. But as I said, Schalke has a great history of losing in the wrong moment. And if they get the relegation, they will definitely lose with the last minute goal, own goal by I don't know whom, the only good player they have. Um, two players will tore their ACL, um, and this will be the complete fall down. So a relegation couldn't be the goal because we all know they would lose these games. Um, so um, yeah, it's very depressive. I don't have much hope. Okay, I think we'll leave it on that positive. We'll leave it on that positive note then. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, well, uh, yeah, thank you. Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Joanna Porig and Benny. And in case you're wondering, uh, the the piece from Benny was actually recorded last week. So if it seems a little bit out of date, that would explain it. Um, we won't be back next week, but we will be back in the new year. In the meantime, should you miss this, you can listen to the back catalog on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast hit. And if you want to get in touch, the address to do so, podcast at onefootball.com. Football.com.